0: Welcome to the Colorful Conversations podcast, where we chat with visionaries, experts, and inspiring adults who are creating new models of how to be in this ever changing world. Geared toward the coming of age experience, these vibrant conversations are for young people and their families, offering tangible tools and insights to pave a path of your own making, live into your full creative expression, and be well resourced for the future we are building together. I'm Caitlin Quinn. A rainbow resorceress, curious, creative, and magical mentor. I'm so glad to be learning alongside you. Let's dive in. Welcome. I am here today with my dear friend Kara. Hi, Kara. Hi. I am so excited to talk to you today about creativity and art and all of the goodness that comes from living a life with those at the front um but first i'm going to light my candle and with this i'm gonna call in curiosity and wonder and awe so that i may um, be a learner and so that we may uh, learn together and from one another Okay, our candles are lit. Welcome, Kara. I am wondering if we can start off by having you introduce yourself to us in a way that feels true to you today. Just remembering that we're always evolving and always in the process of growth. Um, Who are you today?
1: Well, my name is Kara, which, um, thinking about this conversation, um, my name means friend, and that feels like sort of the, the full-time role that I'm in, um, or my divine purpose on Earth. Um, I would say that I am also a learner, um, a maker, a facilitator, a caregiver, a land tender, um, a creative, a sensitive uh, a lot of the work that seems to be um, revealing itself is in initiating relationships. Um, it's between people, objects, patterns, meaning, um, kind of rooted in, in deep values of balance and harmony and justice.
0: Mm. Wow. Thank you. That's Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm writing down balance, harmony, and justice. (laughs) They feel like good ones to have um, the correct spelling of justice. Um, Oh, thank you. Um, I also write down your full time role as friend, which feels really um, how you've been showing up in my life a lot. Um, Kara and I have been learning from each other through a um, series of colorful conversations via Marco Polo, and it's been such a a huge part of my year to be connected with you in this place of really deep, um, true, truth telling, deep thinking, um, heart opening conversations. So, I am really excited to talk about some specific things with you today um Specifically, we are in the orange season of the Rainbow School, and this is all about our creative self-expression and how creativity is so subjective that um, art and being an artist uh, is much broader than our kind of current social um, descriptors. Let us, let us feel about it. And I just feel like you are such a, a beautiful example of somebody who is um, healing through art and making art through healing. And just like in this really wonderful place of creation for creation's sake and not uh, for the need of any other um, out, outward um, validation. And I think that that's really important. So that's just some reflections of how I see you, and I'm wondering if you can, thinking about the way that you chose to identify today and this person that you are and always becoming, share with us a little bit about the, the markers on your meandering path that sort of brought you into this version of yourself and this place of creativity and art um, being central to your um, your just everyday life and and journey as a human,
1: yeah, I mean it's uh, the need for well-being, I think um, mm. the need for I, in creativity and the creative process there um, there comes a point you know you start something possibly new to you, new to the moment, and then have to give up a little bit because your idea. Uh, this perfect, you know, thing, um, isn't going to happen. <laughs> it's like yielding because you have to, I wouldn't mm-hmm. just to walk away or stop, which keeps a lot of people from, I think, pursuing, um, you know, making art or creating things. Um, but it's, it's inherent in all of us, right? Like we all are creative beings. We all are artists. We all were given these gifts and hands and, you know, to do this work, um, mm-hmm. And I just think about yeah. within the creative process, the giving up the yielding, there is, um, there is this idea of giving up perfectionism. I think mm. about it like it's anti-capitalist in nature mm. mm-hmm. um, and then maybe not producing, you know, maybe not making Jeez. something for the world to see, to put on display. Maybe it's just for you and your spirit and, there's something that can be worked out within that, but I think um, the grace that I find, uh, which is a, a, a type of liberation, um, just to play as an adult, yeah. to have a space to just be and express without having to be concerned about anyone else's, um, again, like validation or um, merit of success. Yes. <clears throat> within that, I have had a career in more of a public domain of being seen and for my skill set being honored or validated in some aspects and in other ways um, I didn't like the structures that I had to work within and so I find um, the most creative structure and most liberating structure to work within is um, maybe the limitations of material the way that
0: hmm. we
1: collectively we're starting to to rethink how to maybe reuse or repurpose things that they have more than one life um which is again like antithetical of kind of what where the society is moving in terms of our um, mainstream economy
0: structure Mm -hmm.
1: um because that's like one and done let's get to the next thing that yeah creates like a consumer culture which i'm I'm trying to walk away from more and more, trying to be more thoughtful about my, you know, what I'm spending, where I'm spending, and um, also reusing things that otherwise would be trash or or thrown out, so.
0: I think that that's, I think you and I both have taught art in different capacities, and I think that that's one of the biggest reframes around um, facilitating young people learning about art and, like, where the, the movement of, art kind of has to go is is in like, well, this is, these are the materials that we have available, right? Or these are the ones that like, like I feel like every classroom should have like a plethora of projects to do with toilet paper tubes because they are forever coming. And it's something that like we, we have that as a resource, right? But that's just one example of that kind of resourcefulness that comes in being an artist in this moment in time. Um, I want to know about uh, what were some of the earliest kind of uh, experiences that you had with either art making or understanding yourself to be a creative or even understanding yourself to be kind of someone who moved to the beat of a different drum.
1: Mm. Um, It's interesting because when I look back at my childhood, I spent a lot of time alone. I had a few close friends um, and I'm a friendly person. So like I'm, I'm here for connection for sure. But um, I really value being alone and playing alone. And even a childhood friend had um, mentioned since we've been adults that, I used to just invite him over to watch me play video games, not to let him also play. <laughs> so there's something probably narcissistic within that, but um, just really satisfied with my own company mm. and um, and my interest, right? Like I I discovered the universe within of like mm. all the things that we can pursue and find out about. And I grew up with the internet, so it was like. I guess I was, I didn't grow up with the internet. I was one of the first um, in the generation, you know, I'm in high school still, I'm still a student, I'm still an adolescent with the internet. So it was possible then to get any piece of information you wanted.
0: Mm-hmm. At your so <clears throat> a student, um
1: was a good fit for someone with like in a small town with an insatiable curiosity who was left to their own devices quite often. Um, and then within that, like going to school, um, when things would come up where we needed a sign for, you know, a homecoming rally or whatever, I was the person who was like, well, I can do that. That, you know, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. learn when you're put in groups of people, what maybe defaults to you, and Yeah, not what I was pursuing, but what was defaulting to me and what I could like do fairly well or well enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: and kind of worked that out um, to, to see that as a strength of something I could offer to a community.
0: Mm, I think that's a great way to begin to see that though. Um, I, I think that the, a group project at its best is an opportunity to really see where you and your unique style of creativity kind of fits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to share that feels important as far as markers, either from your adolescence or early life, that kind of um, you think might be pertinent to this idea of creativity and self expression?
1: Mm. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about. I was thinking a lot about um, early childhood trauma and trauma throughout my 20s. Um, I guess in a way of seeking tools to navigate pain um, or freedom from pain, Um, I think, which was really spurred, I mean, a lot of that, even internal work was spurred on having a child and mm. um, wanting it better for them, right? Like that's what most parents want. Um, and so for me, that meant providing emotional safety in a harsh world mm. and talking through the constructs that we can live beyond mm. um, or being led to talk about the constructs we can live beyond um, my particular child and you know works through a lens of um i think emotional freedom and um queerness neurodivergence like those new filters or new eyes have offered me a more expansive perspective than kind of the limiting beliefs and stories um that I have held to be of like deeper value that were actually harming me I guess that would be one way to say it Mm. yeah I think of some of the I guess loss and grief um I think of pain as a portal to wisdom And I think of um, like impermanence, like an intimate knowledge or understanding of impermanence as a portal to um, gratitude or presence, like being. Um, And so, I think in in some culmination of all of those things has landed
0: me here. Yes! Wow! Thank you. Um, I. I deeply appreciate that. I'm just going to say that again: pain as a portal to wisdom, and impermanence as a portal to gratitude and presence. That is beautiful. Um, I, I, I could talk about portals and gates and like the idea of uh, the way to look for the visual signs of transformation. Um, which can sometimes otherwise go unnoticed. And um, yeah, it can look like what? Struggle or can look like struggle. Yes. And you're like, oh, but this is actually changing me Mm -hmm. into um, this, this next version of myself that really actually has more to offer, right? Because if you have, you've gone through the portal of pain to get to wisdom and you've gone through the portal of impermanence, right? Or like the little deaths in life, um, then you begin to to move through the world with gratitude or with presence to what is. Oh. thank you for that. Um, I want to talk now, just kind of openly around. I'm just going to kind of throw some things out there, and, and you can pick up whatever feels good to you. But I really want to just talk more about uh creativity um what even art making is considered you know like what what constitutes an art at being an artist and or um play and how how those things um are important for us especially on our journey Uh, Of growing up and becoming ourselves. Um, I I guess two things that are coming up for me that might help steer this a little bit are one, the idea that somewhere, somewhere like between elementary school and graduating high school, most people lose the thought that they're an artist somewhere in the school system. (laughs) Mm. People are, are like, they're, they're kind of themselves as the possibility of being an artist seems to leave um and also that piece of play and silliness also kind of leaves unless you're fortunate enough to like be in a theater program but even then you know I I was I took myself very seriously as a, a high school theater student so I think um yeah I'm just curious about your thoughts on on creativity, art, and play, especially in the adolescence journey? Mm. Well,
1: I think that adolescence, adolescence especially, um, is like the bravest and hardest work of our development as humans, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I, I really struggled in that time um, with my mental health and... Um, Not having a lot of support, or feel, I guess, feeling that support. Um, And I, I, as you were asking the question, and I'm looking at it, I was thinking about like, I watch the animals in the backyard a lot, and the squirrels, the, the rabbits, like the cats, they all have this sense of play, regardless of like how busy they are toiling over collecting their food or, um, you know, finding a safe, safe grounds, there's something that they will like pause in the middle of that and just start playing together. Um, I think I've come to understand play as a type of um, like recovery, a type of embodiment uh, that is necessary to our, our existence. Um, but play, is labeled as um, like unproductive. Mm.
0: So I think
1: we have to re like reexamine what we've been told, and some of that deconstructing work looks like intentionally inviting um, maybe things that have been removed from us through colonization, because even. I like, I am a white woman, like even like, I'm, you know, that's how people I'm perceived in the world. I understand um, even with different gender or identity markers, I am perceived and I'm passing as, mm-hmm. as this. And so I, um, yeah, I, I recognize the ways that I have like a colonial mindset more and more, like that's the work yeah, uh, and deconstructing it and looking at it. Because I don't, I don't want to live within frameworks that trap us or inhibit us from being our true expression. Because the whole idea of being a part of of this earth and this existence is like this this unique and divine purpose. I think we all have, which is mm-hmm. I love astrology so much because it's pointing to a unique like fingerprint in the sky the moment that you were born. Yes, God, right, true, false. I don't care. It's like gleaning encouragement and metaphors or symbols why not take that it's like free
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes and it's big enough to hold the intensity
1: yes yes so there's something about um kind of leaning into what you already know to be true about you on this journey um yeah instead of trying to to constantly change it or shift it or meet some standard developed by people who profit off of keeping us in our limitations and keeping us quiet and small and unexpressive. But this is a practice for me because I, I don't know. It's not like I'm not, I don't like actually, um, being too much of the center of any attention. This is a stretch for me, even <laughs> more to sure know that this record, like, is being recorded. But I think that it's also, there's something within that, like we should know each other. And not a lot of people ask me questions like this to give me like a space to share. So I'm hmm. here for the conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and we were just talking before we pushed the record button, just about what would you say about how do I start to know what's the truth about me, and what is um, what is maybe something that was like put there by the dominant culture or the like storylines that I receive?
1: Um, I guess, like I still think about education, and I'm not necessarily talking about like public school education. I'm thinking about the resources that are available in terms of podcasts and interviews, the way we get to know people. Um, maybe just paying attention to what we're drawn to, what brings us joy, um, or like that we gravitate towards. I think that that's with purpose. It's all not without purpose, even if it seems frivolous, even if we don't trust that space yet, there's something about hearing other people, like even in these conversations, listening to, um, the other conversations you've had so far, um, there was so much that came out of learning a new person's experience. Like you were mm-hmm. saying,
0: mm-hmm. That,
1: you know, what is personal is what is universal. So of course mm-hmm. I'm like connecting and empathizing with these other stories that are told and seeing even bits of, of wisdom from their experiences that I can, you know, use to address current um, struggles or, you know, things that arise in, in, in my very much present experience. So, yes. I think that there's something to that chasing what what you want to know. I think also journaling is a way of education. Mm. Um or sometimes I use like the blogging or text messaging mm. to myself to hear myself because I think the majority of a lot of conversations are mostly just people wanting to hear themselves more than they mm. have, you know, heard by another person even though that's also a witness can be validating but ultimately i think we also have that within ourselves you know to give that we can get cuz it's so outward thinking it's so like validation seeking um it's nice to have your own
0: ear mm. yes i love all of those ideas so much and think to you know that practicing of listening and following paying attention what to what we're drawn to and um what we gravitate towards Uh, I think that those I like to think of those as like golden threads coming out from my heart and I'm like "Ooh, what's this what's this and how can I kind of like follow it but also like receive or let it pull me in a direction that um, it's it maybe isn't going to be my forever direction you know like what pulled me through middle and high school was costume design and that's My passion is changed for that in some ways, but it was something that really pulled me through and gave me purpose. Um, And I was like, that was a big piece of my identity at that time. And so I think that, yeah, noticing what we're drawn to sounds like a really great way to lean in to what we already know to be true about us, right? Um, and so even though like some might say going to college and getting a degree in costume design was like not the most quote unquote practical thing to do, um, because it, I was acting with purpose or with passion, I knew what that feeling felt like, mm. right? And so I was like, oh, now I know. And the next time that I'm getting pulled or the next thing that, ma- that deepens into this work, it, um, it helps me to practice that feeling.
1: Yeah, which is it goes back to the creative process because I think of life as a medium. Yes. And, like we're living in a creative process. You were talking about the tendrils from your heart reaching out to things that you know you're pulled to. And I think about that in terms of like a state of flow, of like openness, of expansive thinking, um, which takes some work to arrive there to show up to that space. But that's where the discipline is, is like defining your worth enough to give yourself permission to like give yourself a free space to exist in right and to play play in and I think it's like following clues and each thing that you are pursuing or investing in or pouring yourself your time your energy into learning about informs the next clue or informs. Mm. and so all of these things you know I'm have just turned 40. And so looking back at 40 years, I can see all of the pieces that informed the next step to get me to this
0: point. Mm. I love that. And also just to like, to know that, that like, there's no college program. Like there's no degree. That's like, um, I'm have a, I've majored in, in like this thing that is so specific to only me. Right. I'm followed the clue to clue to clue. That eventually you do get get somewhere with like a basket full of all of these beautiful things. And now you're like, okay, now I'm going to weave them into something that's like um, an offering for my community and a way to uh, be in right relationship and like have my needs be met financially and in this system that we live in but also it's that that say like the sacred gift that you have to give the like divine expression and 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 it and to find it you have to um one of my mentors Michael Mead always just says like the calling keeps calling mm-hmm. and and talking about that like this path these golden threads the clues that lead you from one thing that excites you to the next they're important breadcrumbs in the like finding, the the thing for you and that's the way I envision the the world we're building is not so much like I'm gonna be an accountant but more like I'm gonna help people navigate their financial systems and like you know what I mean like each person's gift is such a a specific gift and there might not be like a college major or like a job title that that already exists yeah um but that you still are building this thing. You're still weaving this thing that eventually becomes um, a gift to the, to the community. That's the hope, right? That's, that's the hope. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, and you're talking also into a larger conversation about um, what public education has become, what private education even has become. And um, maybe getting back to like true learning as we rethink the world. Uh, I think, you know, the education system and the healthcare system, like all of these are parts of um, what I think are like. Some really hard um, systems that they're, they're hard to even navigate, and um, there, there's some, a lot of deconstructing that needs to happen for them to actually serve the purpose that they're trying to intend to serve. Right. Um, which I want to believe is. <laughs> To be helpful and to um, produce confident individuals coming out of like an, the education system who have a knowledge about what they're offering into the world. And mm-hmm. so, not to plug you, but like <laughs> school, to me is that right? Like you're trying mm-hmm. to nurture the individual for the for the unique offering that they have, and like <laughs> to bring forth and see the purpose in maybe the hardship of senses, like as a sensitive person, I went through decades of shaming myself and it's still a practice to have to kind of reframe uh, the thinking around sensitivity being a gift, sensitivity being um, like a a response or like a, a quick detection of mm. gift in the air or something like a signal of like, you know, harm or Mm -hmm. there there's something I think that is really powerful in that or as like I think it was Glennon Doyle talked about the canary in the mine Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: being the one to sense the danger and yell out but if you don't have a place to be heard you got to create your place Mm -hmm. and I think that's what this new world looks like too is us uh, us with sensitive hearts us like who lean more empathic and um you know, see love as like the ultimate answer, non hierarchical, but love
0: mm-hmm.
1: is it? Um, that there's like you know, these connecting points of um, of that being the new way of, of insisting on your place and you, that there is a place for your voice, there is a place for your existence. Um, mm. as a soft hearted person, there should be more softness in the world if I'm not gonna like yell about it who is you know Mm
0: -hmm. yes maybe
1: maybe not yell about it maybe whisper about it
0: (laughs) (laughs) come closer I have something important to say (laughs) yes um well thank you for saying that about the rainbow school because that's how I see it too and I think that for me there's like this piece ah It's like, you know, uh, cultures and civilizations are in this ebb and flow of sort of like structure and, um, you know, we've gotten to kind of one side of the pendulum with education where it's like we believe for some reason everybody has to learn the same thing in an age in which, in the same way, in an age in which like information itself is at our fingertips and we're not actually teaching any skills, um, and we're not teaching self discovery. Um, and so, if we, if if like, without those things, um, we don't actually come out as very whole or um, helpful people, really. Um, and so, I I I just like struggle with the idea that this messaging of like you have to just wait or like oh you just have to get through to like, until when society considers you an adult at 18, just like you have to get through that. And then, you know, then you can like start discovering yourself and, or, I mean, I'm not in any way trying to say that there aren't amazing, brilliant educators out there that are doing all of these things within the public school system. Um, so I just want to say I am in always have like been deeply, deeply raised in and worked in the public school system for a very long time. But I will also say that the pandemic was enough of a shift for me to be like, all right, I'm ready for different systems. Um, And specifically ones in which young people don't have to wait um, to to be doing meaningful work, to be doing the work of self-expression and self-discovery, to be actually making a difference in the world and having the resources that they need to, um, you know, have like i i don't mean to get off on a tangent but i just my i feel so strongly about a person as amazing and capable as a as a young person who isn't technically considered someone like a value in our culture until they become a certain age mm-hmm. and Um, Having worked with young people for so long, just knowing how incredibly magical and capable they are, it really breaks my heart to be like, "Yes, I understand that it looks like the world is crumbling around you. Just wait till you're 18, and then you can participate in this fray." That just feels not fair.
1: (laughs) Old (laughs) tools that got us. And I think there's. I mean, you spoke into because I will. I will. um, You know, sort of push back at at the public systems that are here and the thing the structure of them as a whole and the way that they might not be serving. but when it comes down to teachers and actual educators, that's a different thing yes. the educators I know time I've spent with any of them and the heart they have for as little as they get paid like it's the space that they hold, the way that they see the new ways yeah implement them, which also comes down to how the parents. Um, what the parents welcome, what the parents are open to. Are they still stuck in old way thinking, thinking that they need to produce a person who just like checks off the marks of living a life in this very um, linear timeline, or can they be open to the discovery of life? Can yeah, maybe open to like the discovery of the unique person. And what would it look like if we, you know, just pursued our interests and had space from our From our parent figures to do that as young children what would we have come to this place we're at now sooner Mm. because a lot of young people when I have conversations with young people I feel like um, they're you know miles ahead like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be uh, or at least keep up with my 13 year old
0: if Mm -hmm. not just like
1: they just above them in a way that like I can still offer them something, you know, sure. Otherwise, like watching them supersede me, which is essentially also what I want.
0: I, I guess I want to I want to ask a little bit more on that point of I know you and your young person are kind of um, you're navigating a homeschooling experience or an unschooling experience. And I'm curious if you would share a little bit about um, what has felt really good about that for you. And or if there's anything that like you're learning about curiosity and creativity in the space of, of actually giving your child space to, um, to be and to follow their, their golden threads.
1: Um, well, I am learning a lot. I I am relearning my child as a learner. I think handing them off to the school system, like I think they that was a necessary step. It was right for us at that time. And there's been pivots since the pandemic and how we're rethinking it. And we had a really phenomenal school community we were part of in Portland too. So that was an easy transition into that. Um but then thinking about, I guess, like a new, the new way of some of the unschooling, I think what the pandemic brought us was a standstill globally, enough to see, to have to reconcile and see the discrepancy of our choices as an individual, as a collective, uh, the choices of our leadership, and how it was affecting in terms of climate change, in terms of um social environments um, and spaces and places that were equitable for all. And um, so there's an intersection of all of these things coming together that we're having to think about because we have delayed thinking about them. We have been so disassociated surviving capitalism that we haven't critiqued it. And, And then it led us to this point where now we're parents raising kids thinking about the future and have only caught on in the last decade to. maybe two decades, whatever, to trying to make more of a collective shift, Um, which means that we have to band with our children to do that. It's not just their work and it's not just our work. It will be the people's work as a continued collective humanity, you know, here on earth. But that said, I don't feel like I can teach the, like we're going through the checklist of all the academic things that we need to um, get through and that is there and I am not that interested in it. <laughs> and so there's like trying to I think I can use creativity by trying to find the ways in um, to learn it to teach it to um, talk about it to like figure out the lessons and a lot of that is self-directed by my child and so I think that there's um there's a piece of that that I think is very counterculture too. And I'm not stoked to live counterculture. I love the validation of people. I want approval from every person I know, but <laughs> that would be impossible. And when I consider sometimes the different realities other people are living in, I actually don't want to be a part of that reality. I don't want to be doing good as part of that reality. The reality sure. I'm trying to like live in and bring forth, the reality I feel in my friendships... Um, and that generosity of spirit, I think, calls for um, more self-governance, like more mm-hmm. autonomy. And so empowering my child to um, see the opportunity before them as like a learning person, mm-hmm. living life discovery, um, to pursue their interests and to make the most of this time. And I do see it's interesting because even in there has been even a shift in the through line because we really struggled returning to school. We um, and I started homeschooling because of that struggle, Mm -hmm. the anxiety that was coming forth and being able to follow that thread line into um, some other information um, that kind of determined like, more space was needed, mm-hmm. be like a slower process than this, like, okay, COVID's over, everybody get back to school and get back to work without actually considering the the transmission rates that are still here, or um, how it in, impacts, like health impacts people who have um, less money or less able bodies, like that impacts them more severely. And so I think, don't want that to happen to us, and I don't want to like perpetuate that to anyone else. So there are pieces of that as well that I'm looking at, um, but it is it does seem counterculture to follow the lead or the pace of your student, and that to me is a little wild, and I think needs to be rethought.
0: <laughs> mm. Thank you. That's that's well said. That it is counterculture or just counterintuitive, right? To, to not follow the pace of the learner and the student and to prescribe some someone else's pace on them or those benchmark pieces. Yeah, yeah I think too, just like somebody said recently, like the key, keeper of the new old ways or something in that way. But like, I think back to, to some of the work that I'm so interested in doing is more uh, in the lines of like apprenticeship right? Like everybody went to school through a certain age, like eighth grade. And then it was like, now you spend the next like three years apprenticing with somebody and learning not the same thing as everybody else, but instead something specialized that like you were really excited about learning. Um, And so I think, I actually don't think that that's how it went all the time. I think that a lot of it was like, this is the job you're going to have, but in this new old way, how could it be? I'm, I'm specializing um, because I know I'm leaning into the things I already know to be true about myself.
1: Which is, so then I think about like trade school type stuff, which is introduced Mm -hmm. to some high schools around the nation, but how that is looked down on the trade. Yeah. Wild to me. And even in the pandemic, like the frontline workers, the, the, the people who are like delivering the groceries and, you know, that kind of stuff. like, it's wild to me that that's how we survived. were with all of the like tradespeople who had been devalued for so long in our society, having such an intricate role in the, the structure of our everyday living.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, many of those, the, the, the hierarchies we currently exist within, um, it would be my hope for young people to kind of see them as obsolete um, in in many ways, and kind of re rethink what the the value the valuable contributions to our our society are um, <clears throat> outside of kind of productivity and money making. Yeah. Um, I have another question in kind of a different direction, and then I want to ask you. I think I maybe have two more questions. Okay. So I'm curious about your relationship with creative practice and what you might say. I mean, I think for me, my relationship with creative practice is like keeping a beginner's mind because I am constantly trying to start it again and again and again and forgetting again and again and again. And I'm just curious. Um, what your relationship is and what what you might share as anything that might be helpful to remember in in the pursuit of of a creative practice
1: um i think i think the the benchmarks of of grace of forgiveness you know relieving yourself from the burden of perfectionism is a big piece and there's a type of devotion that is imperfect that looks like Showing up like in my current yoga practice, if we want to call it that, it might be better described as like a movement practice. Um, it is like I have no ability to get right now to get out and do yoga in this like 30 minute thing with Adrian and you know, power mm-hmm. myself through. And so, my thing is, can I lay down? on my yoga mat and just try to move my body to music and see where that leads Mm -hmm. and then I give myself a sticker on a chart and I don't need it to happen every day even though that's like the goal I'm working towards but I Mm just try to like get to the least amount like what's the smallest goal what's the most attainable goal because that will get me and and inform the next step right
0: Mm. yes
1: practice of creativity kind of in that same mindset is I have in my room this little section of my my space that is my studio. and it's always out so I can always access it, which doesn't always like make me feel very clean or tidy. Um, mm-hmm. But so there's always motion there. And at any time I can pick up any project and start like right now my biggest practice is is hand stitching which feels very meditative and prayerful, mm. you know, in honesty. But um, there's always, like, a project I can, like, begin. Mm-hmm. I have more ideas on projects than I do have time and, like, energy to finish them. Same,
0: same, same, same.
1: Yeah. Mm. I mean, some of it is, like, letting it go and that um, Elizabeth Gilbert uh, – uh, She talks about it in in Big Magic that she had this idea for a book and then she ended up kind of putting it on the wayside because she found another thread, you know, another idea. Mm -hmm. And she's at this conference with someone trying to work out this old idea and she kisses this woman on the lips and somehow that woman goes and writes the book that Elizabeth (sighs) Elizabeth had already like thought about.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: We're talking about like that transfer of like, sometimes maybe I'm only meant to like bring ideas into the world and then they go and meet whoever they're meant to meet. You know,
0: that is my dream. That is my dream. I have, I, thank you for sharing that. That is profoundly huge to me. Um, I, I will be turning 40 in this coming year. And when I was 20, I said that when I was 40, I would have a team of people that like helped me realize the ideas that I had just because there were more than I was going to ever yeah like do on my own and I don't want to keep them all to myself right and so one of my favorite envisionings is like my role in the new world is being a mermaid in the in the think tank mm-hmm. <laughs> and just having like a really really cush like luxurious um swimming lagoon that people can come and uh, ask me questions and I can just brainstorm ideas with them that would make my heart happy for the rest of my life pretty much yeah
1: I have this free idea if you want to take it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes yes most of my free ideas are apps because it's just not a, a medium that I um that I know how to use it all, but I have a lot of ideas that I think would be. So that's also the um, part of the work with the Rainbow School is just really kind of helping young people to tap into that source of idea and or get them going with an idea that maybe wasn't theirs originally, but really gives them the space to take it and run with it and um, and be in that space. I would let, like a teacher of ideas, I would say. That's a good identity marker for me.
1: Yeah, or I think of the word facilitate a lot because it's yeah in my my timeline. I have learned so going to massage school. I realized at some point that I wasn't actually creating any of the relief the person was getting. I was just holding the space that hurt while they gave that while their acknowledgement and their presence with themselves is what was and their their breathing was what was healing it, what was relieving it. Mm. And that kind of reworked some things in how I like think of the world as well mm. and what my part is. And so then I think about like, how do we draw these things out of each individual? It's mm. like facilitation or holding, right? I don't know.
0: Yes, holding space. I love that. Um, okay. Oh, Kara, this conversation has been really, really, really juicy, and like, um, it's been like the the most beautiful meandering forest path to just travel <laughs> travel through so many places. Um, and yes, a consolation. Yes, um, I have one last question for you, and uh, this one is just about kind of this connection that we have to the different versions of ourselves. Um, and my personal belief is that like kind of th- with imagination, we can really travel, travel through time um, and kind of visit the different versions of ourselves. Um, I like to also en- envision that all 40 different years of, of my life, all versions, all 40 versions of Caitlin are like delightfully living in a like treehouse wonderland together and, and supporting each other, um, in all these ways. Um, but with all that being said, um, kind of pulling, finding a thread between who you are now in this moment and, uh, the meandering path that you've taken to get here and kind of traveling back in time to, um, Adolescent, early teenage, um, maybe same age as your child version of you, um, young Kara. What would you? What advice or permission um, would you share with with that version of you? Um, that if you were going to have another go at it, it would have been helpful information to have.
1: Um, I think two things come to mind very quickly um one is that a young person's brain can retain so much more information than and i feel like you lose it a little bit as you age so i would definitely take advantage of pursuing everything i wanted to know about that was possible um and then i think about like having spent so much time cuz i didn't i didn't really come to understand myself as queer or neurodivergent until the last you know, five years or something and in the way that, like, I feel empowered by it and not ashamed of it. Mm. Um, And I think that I spent so much time in my youth comparing myself to others and Mm. and really trying to belong or have a sense of belonging or um, trying to fit in um, to be seen as, like, pretty enough or tough enough. Um, like in order to validate my worth or get my worth validated when in reality, like no one, not even myself can validate my worth. My truth is that I have an inherent worth that I was born with and that like my very existence, this human who is breathing oxygen on the only planet in the universe that it produces oxygen should be evidence enough that I belong here (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's not like a fluke that's like Mm -mm. real purpose um so I just I don't know I think about like I think about what I wish that that person knew what I what I continue trying to speak over them in this current moment too is um you know I'm a I'm a flame lit up I am, I am lit up and burning in the same, uh, you know, just like the same fibers of the stars that I came from. Mm. That I, I, I'm just like a, an entire universe here that is mm. belonging because I, the, the fact that I exist is proof that I should.
0: Mm. Mm. Yes, thank you. I have big droplet tears in my eyes for that one. <laughs> So thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, I think for me, the biggest like emotion of joy is just witnessing other people be in their own wholeness. So Yeah. yeah, it's a really beautiful, um, both connection point and just witnessing that gets to happen. So thank you for this conversation, um, for all of this wisdom and presence um and just um being in the place of learning with me uh that has been I'm, I'm I'm learning more as an adult about what the friendships I want to have really look like and it's such a journey <laughs> to uh to figure that out and really know like, Oh, this is who my whole self is. And this is what I need in like the meeting of another whole self. Mm. Um, and so I just want to take one more moment while this butterfly net of the record button is on to catch, um, to catch my gratitude for your friendship and for what you had said, your full-time role as friend and, um, it's like so apparent to me. So thank you. And I just also want to say that your kid's a lucky kid. So, um, here's to lots more colorful conversations and collaborations and just, um, being in the messy, messy parts of learning as a human. Thanks for listening to the colorful conversations podcast. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes at The Reframe Collective backslash The Colorful Conversations Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Rainbow School and join one of our cohorts, you can visit The Reframe Collective backslash The Rainbow School. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe, write a review, and follow us on social media at The Reframe Collective. Until next time, keep it colorful.